Hi, everyone. I'm Susan Harrow, media coach, marketing strategist, and author of the best-selling book, Sell Yourself Without Selling Your Soul. I'm also CEO of PRSecrets.com, and I want to welcome you to the Be a Media Darling podcast. Join us on BeAMediaDarling.com and PRSecrets.com, where you'll get free goodies and also the resources that we mention in each episode, as well as other delightful things that will help you shine in the media spotlight. On Media Coaching Monday, I'll show you exactly what you need to do mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually to prepare for specific types of media appearances, including written print interviews, phone interviews, radio appearances, TV appearances, speaking engagements, podcasts, of course, panel events, and more. Tune in every Monday to get your soundbite set for your time in the spotlight. Our topic today is how to promote live events mindfully with Claire Berry. Welcome, everyone, to the Be a Media Darling podcast. My guest today is Claire Berry, and she's writer and founder of Urban Curiosity. I love that name, by the way, Claire. I just think that alone is so intriguing. Thank and, you, Susan. Yeah. So a little bit about Claire. She's a London writer and the founder of Urban Curiosity, and that is a creativity and wellness brand that helps busy people, like all of us, slow down and spark ideas. Her writing, workshops, retreats, and monthly speakers event focus on creativity and human connection in a digital world and London in the real one. So she went from frazzled office worker whose creativity was in a puddle at the bottom of the career ladder, <laughs> that's really funny, Claire, to a thriving writer and creative entrepreneur when she slowed down long enough to breathe. Now she helps writers reclaim time and headspace for what really matters. And you can find her at Claire Berry forward slash urban dash curiosity. I'm going to spell that for you, but of course it will be in the blog at beamediadarling.com. It's Claire, C-L-A-R-E-B-A-R-R-Y.com forward slash urban, U-R-B-A-N dash curiosity. I met Claire when we were both at a retreat in Bali with Andrea Scher and Juno Mustad. And so I just fell in love with her immediately and just was so intrigued by her vivacious personality. And she had such a great combination. You do, Claire, have such a great combination oh. of being both <laughs> bubbly and grounded. And I just loved that aspect of you and deep, you know, so I invited her. We just said, what can we talk about? We've got to do something together in a podcast. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And here we are. So and thank you for having me. I know. Well, welcome. Thank you. So let's start off with your urban curiosity because that's, I went up on your website and looked at that. And of course I wanted to go because it was yeah. a fascinating tour of London. And since this is a podcast focused on publicity, let's talk a little bit about what your event is and then how you get publicity for that event. Okay. So urban curiosity workshops came about because I was a city slicker running around living life at 100 miles an hour. And I was working really hard climbing the career ladder and not sleeping very much. I was socializing, traveling, you know, living life really fully. And at the same time, my back, my lumbar spine decided it didn't like this pace of living. And it told me, it was trying to tell me at least for a number of years that I needed to slow down. And I ignored it. I stuffed medication in my mouth, I had physical therapy, I spent days laid out flat, I had epidurals, I had all sorts of treatments. But fundamentally, the thing that I needed to do, which I didn't do, was to stop. And so eventually, we know where this story ends, eventually my, my body did that for me. And I ended up having major back surgery. And while I was recovering, my rock star neurologist 
told me that I needed to take a daily walk. And so I did. And for the first time in really the longest time, I walked slowly, necessarily at that point. I walked without my smartphone in my hand. I walked without my mind filled with thoughts about the future or thoughts about the past. And I began to notice things that I walked past every single day throughout my journeys around the neighbourhood and around this city, London, um, my native city. And I got really, really excited about some of the, the details that I saw in the architecture and in the cityscape and the colours and patterns. And it just helped me make connections and it sparked ideas. And I came rushing home as fast as a girl can do so when she's recovering from back surgery because I wanted to get my pen and my paper and start writing. I had been a fiction writer. Um, I wrote a couple of contemporary women's novels during this time of living at full tilt. And I wanted to get back to that sense of feeling creative that I had enjoyed as a young child, as a young adult, and that had been sort of abandoned for a number of years while I was climbing the career ladder and was in some way satisfied by my fiction writing, but that wasn't totally satisfied by that outlet. And so to wrap this up briefly, at a certain point, I realised that I was onto something. And this way of walking slowly, breathing deeply and really noticing what is around um, was something that I needed to share with other people. It helped me reignite my creativity. And so I created Urban Curiosity Workshops with a number of routes throughout London with different themes. And I guide people on these two hour walking creativity and mindfulness and digital detox sessions. And they're fun. And yeah, I would love to have you come on one next time I you're in London. I want to. And I love this digital detox. And I also really respond to what you're talking about is getting back to the tactile universe. Yeah. Sometimes the digital world takes us away and puts us in our heads and we forget about our bodies and all of the beautiful smells and exactly. um, visual treats that we get when we walk. I walk every day and there are mm. puppies that I meet or old dogs and yeah. children. And it's really, you know, of course, I know the names of dogs more than I know the names of people sometimes. But yeah. <laughs> But really being able to sniff the flowers and just take the time to enjoy. I pulled the kumquats from the trees, those sorts of oh, things. Wonderful. So, yeah. So I, I think there's really a craving. Um, I think so. Yeah. And I think also it's, it's about, um, I mean, it's not necessarily even about getting creative, particularly. It's about allowing space in your day for thoughts to occur. So for instance, for years, while I was working in my old corporate life, I suffered with insomnia because I crammed every waking moment of my day with stimulation and with information. And so when I collapsed into bed, you know, exhausted at the end of the day, and really desperate to fall asleep, because I was so physically tired, my brain was wired. And it's really not surprising to me now at all that I was unable to sleep during those times because I didn't allow the thoughts that bubbled up, you know, while I was trying to go to sleep um, to be processed throughout my day because I was standing in that coffee queue looking at my smartphone. I was waiting on the station platform looking at my smartphone because I was afraid of being with my thoughts afraid of a moment to daydream, to let my mind wander and maybe make a connection, maybe have a space to make eye contact with that barista and say, hi, good morning, and have a meaningful connection and exchange, which is something that's parallel to the creative piece. 
but equally as important, if not yeah, more so. I think that to have a time for those thoughts to occur, as you mm. said, is so important in the creative process. And it's also really important when you start to think about how you want to publicize and market what you've got, because Absolutely. oftentimes it's not about, you know, yes, of course, sit down and write a marketing plan, but it's then in those relaxations when you're taking a shower or you're just mm-hmm. sitting out and eat, actually eating your lunch and enjoying it, that there is the space mm. for the, those thoughts and creativity to occur. Absolutely. And and for those ideas to come to the fore, those fantastic, you know, light bulb moments when you're in the shower. And that's because yes. for many of us, the shower is the last place where we, you know, we you have to bring unplug. your smartphone in there. No. <laughs> I yeah. hope they don't make them waterproof. Oh, well, you know, I'm sure there's there's a case out there that does that job. But yeah, I mean, is the world going to stop turning because for a few minutes you're not online? I know. I was actually in Hawaii and someone was in the ocean on their smartphone. I wanted to tackle the guy in the waves. I do not want to hear you talking on your smartphone. Yeah. On the beach, in the in oh. the water. I know it's insane. It is insane. I mean, I think just one thing I do want to make clear: my life has been changed for the better because of mobile technology. I think this technology that we have is fantastic. It's allowing us to speak today. I'm in London. You're in the you know on the west coast, and this is fantastic. And it allows us to work in different ways. It allows us to connect with each other in different ways. And I think that's all positive. And in fact, I don't really even like the word detox in digital detox. I, I prefer mm. digital mindfulness because mm. to suggest that it's toxic, my, my smartphone is toxic. It's not. It, these are perfectly good and helpful pieces of technology. And it's how I allow myself to interact with it that can become not positive for me if I'm not deliberate about it. You know, if I'm mindlessly scrolling through my Twitter feed right before bedtime, well, what's that all about? I'm searching for something. I'm craving something. Is that the same as when I open the kitchen cupboard and I'm looking for cookies that are still not there because they weren't there the last time I looked? You know, that's about a boredom, a kind of desire, a want in me in that moment There's nothing to do with what Twitter's going to tell me. So it's about being in tune with your body and your mind, I think. And that's a long answer to why I'm not crazy about the the detox and digital detox. Yeah. And so you've chosen, I know you're you're going to be running online events, but right now you're running these live events rather than the digital courses and services. I don't know if you've, I think you kind of answered that question why you run live events, but let's chat about that for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. let, Let me expand on that. I think... I started out running them as a little experiment. I knew this, it got me excited. And I thought if it helped me, it might help somebody else. And it got me so excited that I decided to leave my my old corporate life and embark on one of creative entrepreneurship and writing. And that's partly because I'd reached a point in my life where I needed to be fulfilled differently. And I wanted greater flexibility with the way that I worked. I had had this terrible shock with my, my physical health. And I had, you know, some family tragedies that also clarified what it was that I wanted to do each day. And so, yeah, this experiment was not terribly strategic at first. I mean, in essence, I got excited about certain neighbourhoods. I decided to make things thematic according to where I was and what was coming up for me, what was intriguing to me. And I created these routes and I had a blend of quotes. So, for instance, 
Researchers from Stanford have found that walking boosts your creativity exponentially. And that's not walking outside in a lovely location. That's, you know, walking in a basement gym on a treadmill, staring at a blank wall. And even still for those people, their creativity was boosted by, I think, as much as 60%. Well, that's amazing. Yeah, I, I incredible. Wouldn't, I wouldn't be as creative as walking, walking in nature, walking in your neighborhood. Well, exactly. This is what I thought. But, you know, their research suggests otherwise. So in essence, yeah. So the first thing that I did was to find the right platform here in the UK in order to put my event on a listing and get it out to the world. So I happened to use Eventbrite, which is a big resource that we have here. And I was really lucky But also I was smart. I chose a good title for my event and I decided that curiosity had to be in the title of all of these events. And I liked the idea of it being urban because I think, you know, we can't all escape to the country or to the coast to get our little hit of zen but I think if we're deliberate and mindful about how we move about the city we can find it here and London in particular is a very green city when you search that out but I suppose for me the workshops are about finding everyday moments of beauty and interest and curiosity so that's less about you being in somewhere that's really exquisitely scenic per se. And how did you come up with your title because I think that titles are so important to events as well as they mm, are to press releases or whatever did you have a process for that? No, I don't. I think it's it's quite instinctive. I think, as I say, I really I wanted it to have either the word or the essence of, of curiosity. I liked it being called urban something. And then the workshop twist just seemed amusing to me. Walk it shop. was walk. a walk, walk, a workshop on foot. So call yeah, it, yeah. you know, workshop. Yeah. Great. And um, I love it. It's stuck. So that was my title. And because I, one of my first routes was over in East London, East London's really popular. There are lots of really fantastic graffiti walking tours, lots of historical walking tours, contemporary walking tours. And because of the title that I chose, so it was, you know, East End Urban Curiosity Workshop, my event got picked up by the Eventbrite people and it got put on their calendar. It got some exposure just by virtue of me, maybe not very strategically, picking the title that I picked but it's really stayed with me it's really really crucial that you consider carefully the title that you're going to choose yeah, but it's I also that it came to you out of your you know whether it was your walking or it came to you in one of those flashes and that you exactly really love that so it doesn't yeah. necessarily have to be a process but it's part of what no. you're doing is allowing that space for those thoughts to emerge precisely right? yeah exactly yeah and so I think so, so moving on from that I then you know made sure that I got in touch with people like time out I was careful to look at, you know, the relevant hashtags and things like that on my social media accounts. I wasn't very... like hashtags did you use for that? So you checked out, first of all, so people, some people might not know Eventbrite, but it is here in the US too. So it's Event and B-R-I-T-E and we'll put a link to that at bmdadarling.com. And you said Time Out London, that's London. I don't know if we've got, I guess we've got timeouts here. I'm not sure if we... You you used to, but I don't know. So that that lists events. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a key thing, I guess if I was being in hindsight, if I was being more strategic than I was then, I mean, you know, I am now, but at the very beginning, it was this experiment that then just grew as I told more and more people. So I think there's three key things. Get clear on what it is that you're offering and who it is that it's going to help. So I, I felt that this was something that was a manageable two hour 
event that could really help a busy city slicker who was, you know, running about town feeling a bit stressed and spread thin and they wanted to reconnect with themselves. And maybe this was somebody who had never put pen to paper in, you know, 15 years since that teacher told them they were terrible at writing. I then expanded it to anybody. It doesn't have to be anybody who's particularly got a writing interest or background. It's much more about busy people wanting to feel calmer, and feel more creative and that's through guided exercises that I give them you know that they go away at the end of the workshop with a greater sense of the time that they perceive themselves not to have to pursue creative passions versus the time that they they do have if they're deliberate about the time that they choose to spend connecting online so that's something that people leave with and I suppose word of mouth has been really positive me being really happy to tell new people about what it is that I do because for a little while at the beginning I was quite anxious and shy and self-conscious about mm. that whereas now it's very clear this is what I do it might not appeal to everybody but the people that it resonates with are going to get really excited about it yeah so when somebody asks you what do you do what is it that you say like what's your quick elevator. So my quick elevator pitch is that I am a writer who also leads urban curiosity workshops, which are creativity and digital mindfulness sessions on foot around a variety of London areas. And they target busy people who are stressed out and need to slow down and unplug and spark ideas. This gives them space to do just that. That's terrific. And and I really like what you said, too. It was a really interesting thing that you said that once people start writing in their journals, which you give them, do you do you actually make the journals? I do. So I didn't used to. But earlier on this year, I went on. We want to put some images up in the blog post at BeAMediaDarling.com. I will do. I will send send that over. I um, was lucky enough to participate in a fantastic, fantastic workshop run by my friend Rachel Hazel, who is a book artist and teacher of bookbinding. She taught me how to cut the paper and how to do Coptic stitching and all sorts oh. of beautiful things. I so I decided to incorporate that in my offering and I'm really... I want one. Pleased. Yeah, I will, <laughs> I will send you one, Susan. Um, so for those of us, I so, mean, we, we were talking before about you putting the next course online. So yeah. for those of us who don't live in London can go to Clareberry, C-L-A-R-E-B-A-R-R-Y.com forward slash urban dash curiosity. And right. hopefully fairly soon you will have nice. one. Maybe you can put a coming soon on there for yeah. people who, like me, live in California or live <laughs> elsewhere can still enjoy your tour and maybe buy your book, you know, buy your journal so we can write in something beautiful as we tour London with you. I would love Most that. Certainly. I, yeah, that's, that's on my list. So certainly coming later on this summer, there will be just exactly that. So I'll be the, I'll be back to let you know when that happens. And certainly that webpage is where I will be posting my news first, you know, first off and to my mailing list. Yeah, so just to to expand a little on your earlier question about getting the word out, I think as I've gone along on this journey, I've come to realise how important collaboration is. So that is going along to networking events like Creative Mornings. I go to that here in London. It's meeting people in the real world, going along to fantastic conferences like Alive in Berlin, going to retreats like the one we met on, you know, Andrea Sher and Juna Mustad's fantastic Bali retreat. That 
makes it easier to reach out to people when you need help with spreading the word because they're already your friend and they've already got a sense of who you are because you've had some human uh, connection and I think there's great power in that so I am a big believer in getting out and meeting people and not just sitting behind my screen all day long and it's things like Reaching out to membership associations. So, for instance, I'm a member of the National Association of Writers in Education here in the UK. So they've got a community of people who are potentially exactly my audience. So it's contacting those guys through their regular mail outs. It's things like Lapidus, which is a writing for wellness association here, the Romantic Novelist Association, all of these different organisations that I'm either a member of or that I, I follow, I've made sure to connect with the relevant people to let them know what I'm doing and how to encourage their community to benefit from what I'm offering. And where appropriate, I've also offered discounts to those people because they're members of those organisations or associations. I think that's really, really powerful. Um, and more recently, partnerships that I've embarked on have been with digital magazines like Thoughtful. We've got something coming later on this summer. It's a really fantastic, relatively new magazine that's this, a publication that, you know, it really excites me. It's about meaningful living without compromising on the coolness of products that you might be interested in or the people that you want to learn more about. And so I've been doing some interviews of interesting people for them and we're developing something for later on this year, which will see some kind of collaboration between the publication and me offering some kind of urban curiosity exploration for their readers. Oh, and neat. that's, yeah, that's been um, really fun to explore and develop. And I think also really helpful to me because that's going to open me up to a whole new community here in London who may not have come across me otherwise. So that's the one that's the digital magazine online called Thoughtful? It's called Thoughtful, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So thoughtful.com. Well. Yeah. we'll have the links for all of this. At yeah, that's a really good magazine. Check it out. Yeah, they, they've got the great things there. Do you do, I mean, I know that, you know, you do live events in person, but do you also promote online? I do. So I currently have a number of social media profiles. I love, love, love Instagram. I'm there as Claire Barry UK. So that's C-L-A-R-E-B-A-R-R-Y-U-K. And I post most days and I love, I love that little moment of mindfulness. It allows me, and this, you know, this is why I, I don't like digital detox because this <coughs> one act each day of finding that image that I want to record and oh, capture yeah. and share with the world, that's a mindful moment. How do I want that image to look? What do, what, how does it lend itself to the words that I want to share and vice versa? And how does it inspire me or, or centre me in that moment? So, yes, so I'm on Instagram as at Claire Barry UK. I'm on Twitter with the same handle and I'm also on Facebook at Urban Curiosity Events. So that's a really good place to find out about the things that are of interest to me. It's where I share cool articles, curate good things from people online and in the real world that I found and also obviously share all updates about upcoming and past workshops and retreats and Urban Curiosity workshops. Well, you brought up something really interesting, too, that social media can be mindful, that you do yeah. this, when you choose something that you really love. I think a lot of times people think they have to do every social media. Yeah. And I know that Alex Branson, who we both know, who is my yeah. mentor, you know, sort of experimented with that, too. But she fooled around with Instagram and found it wasn't for her. She built a following really quickly, but she didn't yeah. love it. She never yeah. was on Facebook. 
Yeah. She did Twitter for a long time, and then she gave that up, and now she just does blogging. So mm. go where you're called. Like you use Instagram for a mindful moment, something that you really love, the beauty of the image. So I say go to the social media where you're called. You don't have to blast every single social media because it's really important to be consistent on one social media. So if you're posting an image a day, that's really consistent so people get to know you and maybe they're just visiting London. You know, they haven't necessarily yeah. necessarily lived there, but they may be visiting and they want to go to your workshop. And I know that you offer writers workshops too. I saw those those overnight ones that I wanted to I go do. to as well yeah. and I was like, "Oh, that sounds super fun you know yeah I'm really excited I've got a good group of people coming to my first couple of retreats at my house so I'm really yeah it's gonna be good I think I mean that's an interesting one that you you raised that I spent a long time figuring out how to word that particular page on my website so that it it appealed to the right person and gave them all the information that they needed and was presented in a in a really appealing way that helped them scan and pick up the salient points really easily for the writing course and yeah, the, for the writer's have, retreat at my the, house. Um, the URL for that? If not, we'll put it on the... Yeah, so that is um, clairebarry.com, C-L-A-R-E-B-A-R-R-Y.com forward slash writers dash retreat. Nice. And they're yeah. all really, by the way, as you can see... Claire has really easy to remember URLs. So, you know, the urban dash curiosity writers dash retreat, super easy to remember, right? After you just need to remember her name. So that's also really important in just keeping things simple when you need to say them like on the radio or or write them out. So it's well, I think it's, yeah. Exactly, because I did a collaboration with a friend recently and we ended up calling our workshop Mouth and Mind. So it, it combined creativity with mindfulness and a walk and food. And it was a fantastic workshop and we're really excited to do it again. That's Meredith Whitley from Food at Heart. But what we found when we were playing with titles before we launched our, our workshop, we came up with a couple that, that looked great on paper, but I couldn't say them. You know, they, if, if, they, if they don't roll off my tongue easily, then they're not, they don't make the cut because I've got, I want to be able to say it lots and lots and lots. And if I can't even get it out of my mouth easily because of the, the particular title, then it's not a goer. That's so important. And that's so important for sound bites because of sometimes they look really great written, but they're not yeah. written. They're spoken. No. And so you, you do have to be able to have them sound natural when you speak them. And yeah. it's the same thing for titles. And if you don't feel comfortable speaking them, then they're not for you. Even if they do sound really great on paper, right? I know. That's it. Yeah, we were, know, we were sad to say goodbye to a couple of them. But, then yeah. we, you know, we made the right choice in the end. Yeah, I just want to jump back to what you said about Alex Franzen. I mean, I, I loved it when she put out those blog posts that just, you know, were a reminder to people that we can spend a lot of our time on social media connecting with other people. But really, what kind of connection is that? It can be meaningful connection, but it can also be mindless connection. And so, you know, I really admire that she had the courage to say, well, not the courage, the clarity to say, this doesn't work for me. And in fact, business wise, I don't need to do this. So I'm not going to anymore. And I think that was really fantastic. I had a big love-hate push-pull relationship with social media in the last couple of years. I have not used it as well or leveraged it as well as I could have done from a business point of view, but I felt that it was this time suck and I had a real mental block about it. And I've been working with um, a fantastic woman here in London called Samantha Miller of lifeandme.com. She's definitely somebody worth um, checking out. And she has really helped me 
deconstruct it and see this as something that is, doesn't have to be onerous. It doesn't have to be a big thing that's going to be a big time suck every day. But it's a really important tool for helping me spread the word about the work that I'm doing and how I can help people. And so on a very practical note, things like Hootsuite have really helped me feel less overwhelmed by the idea of trying to figure out how I want to push my content out, how to present it and how to manage it. And also crucially, how to manage the responses, because, you know, there's nothing that I loathe more than to respond to somebody's tweet or or update and then for it to disappear into the ether and that they don't acknowledge it you know I love it when somebody comments or acknowledges that I've you know something they've put out into the world has touched me so definitely finding those tools to help you manage these things so that they don't seem overwhelming is key and also don't be everywhere I see some websites where you know people have got umpteen icons and when I click through many of them are inactive and that's quite damaging so I think do one or two things really well yeah and so what does Samantha Miller do so she is she's recently launched a business here in London which is to help small businesses and and creative entrepreneurs starting out it's it's to help them get strategic to think about what it is that they're doing and how to grow their business in a way that's both sustainable and meaningful to them as individuals. So SamanthaMiller.com? Yeah, she's really, yeah. No, her, her name is Samantha Miller and her oh. website is lifeandme.com. And she's very interested in wellness and creativity. And I think she's brilliant because she's a young woman who kind of ahead of her generation has realized that actually we really need to nourish ourselves, nourish our bodies and our souls. And we need to work in a way that allows us to do that and not work and live like many people do, which is to be switched on all the time. And that's not necessarily that we're switched on online. It's that, you know, we never allow ourselves that space in the day. Like I used to not allow myself that space and then struggle to sleep at night because my mind was filled with all the thoughts that I'd suppressed throughout the day. Hello, I know that one well. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's I woke easy up at to five o'clock this morning with four hours sleep and a bit of Yeah, my mind little buzzing. I got my no- yeah. notebook out and just yeah. started writing. Yeah, so that I could just get it all out into my notebook yeah. and then fall asleep. But that just I do that didn't happen. Yeah, so- I just had so much on my mind today. Right, yeah. getting back to social media for a minute. So you mm. use Hootsuite to manage yeah. social media. Do you set up like a little campaign when you're? promoting an event on social media like yes you, yeah yeah so, so, so I've got set up that campaign so um I, I guess I think about what it is that I'm doing what problem does this solve who is it gonna help and when am I gonna run it and where am I gonna run it and I, I have a little template whereby um there might be some really obvious themes that come up for that particular event so so I will find interesting I'm always writing down interesting quotes that I hear on other people's podcasts I'm really can't wait for the launch of your full suite of podcasts before and after mine I think yeah I've got this kind of note this running notebook with lots of different things and I I pick out the quotes that I've listened I've heard to I've read and I've noted down um I tie them in with the theme um I'm also finding you know other content and articles that are interesting that that are related to the to the theme and then I write a number of my own tweets and status updates around this particular event so that it's not overwhelmingly salesy, but I'm just reminding people in a variety of different ways 
that the event is happening, that this is what it's going to be about and this is how it might help them and what to do next. Where do they need to go to book that ticket? Yeah, so that's great. So you've collected quotes, articles, things that are about your topic that aren't direct, that aren't yeah. direct promotions about your topic to create interest around this whole thing and then you promote in between. Do you have a, a certain number that you do, like um, three other people's stuff to your one promotion or is there a you know i'm probably i'm not that strategic but i shouldn't admit that out loud um i think generally it's i'm very instinctive about how i run my business and i think i get really turned off by the people on social media who are you know trying to flog their book every other tweet so i am acutely aware of what a turn off that is and i suppose i'm really interested in curation i i want to be known for curating and sharing interesting content and spreading the word about good stuff that other people are doing but I'm only going to share it if I if it's touched me and I it's worth me putting it on your radar I don't want to waste your time you're a busy woman Susan so yeah I don't know let's say five or six is probably more realistic and it depends also you know it depends how near I am to the event and what numbers are looking like you know if it's an event that's timed with, you know, that where my tickets sold out really quickly, whereas there are other times, you know, around the holidays where maybe things are a bit slower. And then perhaps I might do some last minute messaging that is around, you know, the, the last couple of tickets available, you know, trying to just remind people of um, the scarcity of these tickets. You know, there's one or two left, you know, final booking slots available now, book here. Yeah, and and you said something also that really touched me is that you curate things that touch you. Yeah. And that you want to be known for curating those meaningful things to people. You're about meaningful. Yeah. So you're putting out meaningful images or and not just because they're popular. You're 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 doing them. You're putting them out there not just because everybody else is sharing them, but yeah. because they've touched you in some way and have meaning for you. Whereas I think that Sometimes people just start sharing because other people have shared and they're not thinking that, yeah. like, is this really something that is um, is connected to me that I want to share with others that's meaningful to me? I feel very strongly about being respectful towards other people. If somebody has liked my Urban Curiosity Events Facebook page, then I don't want to bombard them with a load of crap, frankly, um, <laughs> because I don't appreciate it in the, re in the reverse. And from a business point of view, being you know, a bit tougher, the fact is, is that I have um, unliked certain pages or hidden pages, you know, when there's just a steady stream of stuff that doesn't resonate with me in that moment and so yeah I mean I want to nurture my community whether they are following me on Facebook whether they're following me on Twitter and each of those platforms operates in a different way and the interaction is is different and I think you've got to be cognizant of that and and adjust and I want to share stuff that's going to have an impact and be helpful not just because I need to send out a tweet this hour because it's been one hour since my last tweet, you know? Yeah, I do. The other thing that I was thinking about when you were talking about this and talking about social media, I want to finish up first with social media and then I want to ask you sure. another question about yeah. national publicity. So do you use other tools for social media too? I think what you said was really important too. Each, each medium has a different protocol yeah. and a different way to connect with people that, that you want to be cognizant of, right? Like, you know, it's not okay mm. to keep blasting out your 
stuff over and over again <laughs> to your community. I mean, that it's like, you know, which I know that some people do, right? Yeah. Yeah. By the same token, with something like Twitter, this is where, you know, I, I, you've got to understand the platform. It's very fast moving. And if I put a post out, you know, t- a tweet out in the morning here, you know, you're over in on the West Coast of, of the US. So you're going to miss that one teeny little tweet in the sea of a million tweets that you might look at when you wake up or at the point in your day that you jump onto, onto Twitter. So there is merit in making sure that you share certain messages more than once absolutely but you but it has to be deliberate and and done with intention and not in a way that's going to turn anybody off because you you know you never want to do that yeah yep yep absolutely and i do know a particularly a sort of radio producer who's got his own show that Mm. circulates the shows one every two hours and mix them up on Twitter. Yeah, and just cycles them in over and over and over again. And I asked the person who works with him, doesn't he get a lot of unsubscribes on Twitter? Mm. And she said, no, actually, they're consistently building their audience. But I bet they're losing some too, who sees those same things over and over again. But they might like that, right? Yeah, maybe so. And I think also this comes back to, um, I mean, you know, I hesitate to use this word because I think it can be thrown about a bit too much these days, but this is where it comes back to being authentic. So I am my business the same way as, as you are with yours. And my integrity is really, really valuable to me. And once that's gone with a prospect or with a, a customer, I don't easily get it back if I ever get it back. So that works for him and he's he's growing his audience. Fantastic. I think for me, I'm always aware when I'm putting something out, I'm aware of how I would feel if I were the consumer. Would, mm. would I be, you know, ticked off because this was the third time I saw the same salesy tweet or Instagram with a terrible image? So I think I'm always thinking about myself as my prospect or my, my client. And maybe that's not what some of the business and marketing gurus would recommend. But you know what? Up to now, it's worked for me and I'm going to keep keep at it until the day that it no longer serves me. I think that's great. And, and I don't think you have to listen to the gurus. I mean, this is really mm. important to listen mm. to yourself for your own integrity, but also understand what resonates with your community. And I think that Precisely. resonating with your community resonates with you. And I think yes. I know Andrea works like that too. And, and you yeah. know, other people who are the quote unquote marketing gurus say that that's not correct, but I would disagree with them too. Well, yeah, and and that's it. It's finding the you know Andrea's got fantastically successful audience, and or rather, her audience is very established because what she does is very very good. She's really good at what she does, and yeah, and she's found a way for it to be authentic and meaningful for her, and thus that's what keeps people going back to her. That's what means people like us, you know, leapt at the chance to to go to Barney with her and with Juna. Yeah, you know? exactly. And we're going to be having Andrea on an upcoming podcast. Very Excellent. Soon, I too. can't yeah. wait. Yeah, yeah he's fantastic. So back to social media for a minute. Do you have any mm-hmm. other tools that you recommend other than Hootsuite? You know, I think at the moment, that's the, the main one that has really, I mean, I'm really late to the party on this one, but that, that has really revolutionized things for me and made it seem less overwhelming. There is a guy called Brian Collins, whose name is B-R-Y. A-N-C-O-L-L-I-N-S. And I can't remember the name of his website right now, but he's an Irish writer and he has a free guide to Twitter. And I found it really, really helpful because 
it demystified the whole thing to me. It helped me see that, you know, if I just pull off on Excel, just put all of these fantastic quotes that I'm always collecting, just put them in, you know, in in a couple of columns. And then I upload it to Hootsuite as a C, CVS, not CVS, CSV file. I always yeah. get it wrong. Definitely not serious. <laughs> yeah, so I just upload it, and then you know, and then I, I schedule things through the through the you know the platform, and it just makes it so much easier for me. Um, I'm sure there are lots of other tools out there, but those are the ones that I'm using for the moment. Because whilst it's really important to get the word out, social media is one strand of that for me, and I have to be very careful not to allow it to um, be a time suck, which is what put me off getting involved in it in the first place yeah so now I, I feel I'm much more boundaried about it and you know I, I know what I'm doing when I jump on and I'm on for a fixed amount of time and then I get off you know and, it, and it's working for me and do you can you upload images to Hootsuite too yeah yeah yeah, oh, yeah everything yeah. everything yeah it's really made it less frightening and overwhelming because I I felt yeah, I felt frightened by the sense of overwhelm that I had with, oh, my God, I need to be on social media. And, you know, I want to do what Alex Franzen's done. But by the same token, she was able to do that because her business is much more established. And she already has um, a solid client base, which is fantastic and, and well-deserved. I am much earlier on in my journey. And so I, I can't afford to not embrace the power of social media at this point in my business maybe at some future point I'm you know may pull back by the same token it's also allowing me to maintain contact with some really fantastic people that I'm meeting along the way and um I'm, I'm enjoying that well I also know um you know Alex built up her following through her blog though not yes you know and then that then that fanned out to social media so people That's really yeah, yeah and I think that that and obviously social media for any social media you want to drive people back to your website absolutely so you can connect with them more deeply mm -hmm. on your list mm -hmm. or whatever yeah. yeah i was also curious about national publicity i remember when i was a publicist and i did publicity for a hair salon and art gallery called architects and heroes one of the things um i did national publicity for them in vogue bazaar people you know mm -hmm. all the big fashion magazines in style and then um the reason why we did that is because people from all over the world, when they came to San Francisco, would book an appointment. There. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So even though you've got something local, your um, Urban Curiosity walk shop, <laughs> and at first when you were saying that, you know, I thought it was just your accent. No. <laughs> you were saying, and I go, oh, that's the way she pronounces it. Um <laughs> Yeah. So have you done national publicity? Is that or is that something that you haven't considered yet in your plan? No, I, this is something I'm working on right now. So I am doing a soft launch of a new speaker event that I'm hosting this week um, in London, in Notting Hill. And next month, I will have a launch whereby I invite along some media um, from the, you know, the glossy magazines. So Psychology's magazine, um, Harper's and Tatler and those those guys, the people from Lizelle Wellness magazine. I would like all of those 
people to receive my lovely invitation, which will be a handcrafted invitation because my speaker is going to be book artist Rachel Hazel, who is fantastic. So she's going to come along and speak to us about the tension between living. She lives partly on Iona, which is this tiny island off the west coast of Scotland and partly in Edinburgh. And the rest of the time she's traveling the world and making fantastic art with books and teaching people like me how to um, make our own books. And so she's going to teach the audience how to make a tiny book after I've grilled her on stage. So I'm really excited about that. And I'm really hoping that the timing is going to pay off for me because, for instance, in, you know, I I don't know how the the editorial timetable works over in the States, but certainly here, all of the journalists are running around doing Christmas in July. They are going to all of the, the launch events. They're tasting Christmas products and mince pies in the heat of summer (laughs) because they're working on their editions that will be you know will be what you and I buy come November December January so I'm I am yeah that's something that I'm working on at the moment so you're doing this well in advance Um, is what you're saying because you are absolutely you understand the editorial calendar of journalists and that they're and that they need to be they need at least three to six months depending on what they're working on yeah Mm-hmm. They do, absolutely. Yeah. And um, I think as well, one other option that I haven't fully explored yet, but I'm I'm about to, is looking at those more niche magazines that um, where there's overlap. So, you know, it might be the executive magazine that's handed out in business class on one of the, you know, the major airlines. It might be one of the more niche craft journals that comes out quarterly. So I'm doing research, which is code for buying lots of fantastic magazines and having a great time. I love magazines and I love journals. And, you know, there are so many fantastic ones out there. We love um, paper and tactile things. I, I know, yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, and will you share some of those? Even though they're in the UK, we'd love to have some of those. Yeah, um, absolutely. Some of, they're not all UK based. Yeah, I yeah, will do. There's yeah. there's lots. There's some Australia from you know from uh, Germany and and from the states too. I think so. Yeah, I will fish those out. So we'll um, put those on on um, beamediadarling.com, and we'll uh, we'll also put a link to Rachel Hazel and in case she's yeah. in your town. So that yeah. would be really yeah. great too for all she, those people out there who like us love yeah. paper and books and journals and and. those beautiful things she's brilliant she just came back from squam so she literally just arrived back in the uk today and she's been traveling squam Squam. yeah which is i've never heard of that oh so it's um i'm sure i'm not going to get this totally right it's um uh, they do live retreats and some online retreats i believe and they're based out of the east coast i'm not sure exactly where i think new hampshire but don't quote me on that and um i think it's you know it's it's a female community and it, many um, people who are interested in knitting and crochet and oh. lots of very tactile craft. Oh, I thought it was a place because <laughs> you said she no. lived someplace <laughs> and I thought now yeah. she's gone to Guam. I'm like, she didn't say Guam. I'm, I'm thinking that is another place that I do not know <laughs> in the world. Yeah, um, no, it's near Nantucket because I know she just okay, had a, she had okay. a, an extra tag on in Nantucket. Oh, that's but, um, great. Yeah, she's that's she's great. a yeah, definitely someone to check out. That's great. And um, what you just said, I just want to repeat because mm. some people really ignore. They want to go for the big national media, but they ignore the niche yeah. markets and the particular the trade yes. magazines. And the yeah. markets where your people are, the very yeah. niche, or as you say, or niche, as we might say here, <laughs> markets that are people, uh, and there may be, there, there is still a lot of competition there, but you can do a very, very targeted campaign that's very specific 
to what you do that really reaches those people. And, and so what I'm saying is it doesn't necessarily matter the size. You might get a better response from a small niche magazine than you do from a big national one because it's right exactly. for you. And, and yeah. one example of that is my client, Dr. Um, Lionel Bassoon, who does something called mesotherapy. Yeah. It's, um, it's natural vitamins, minerals, and homeopathy under the skin with tiny tin, uh, pinpricks oh. that rejuvenate oh. yourself or get rid of um, the places where that are hard to lose fat and things like yes. that. So anyway, one of the things, his, so his business used to be mainly women for these, and stars, celebrities all go to him before they want to look great for an event. And yeah. then he, he did one uh, placement in a magazine that targeted CEOs in the New York area because he's in New York City. And mm. his whole business shifted because these men wanted testosterone therapy because it's so competitive in New York to, you know, you have to look young, you have to feel yeah. right, and you want to get a young woman, and you want to get ahead in business. So his whole business shifted because of that one small but very targeted publication, which were CEOs who could afford his testosterone yes. therapy. And so so I'm just saying that the power of a small niche could shift your whole business into um, growing one particular part of it or shifting the whole thing. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And in unexpected ways, but I think that's yes, where unexpected. you've got to be. That was very unexpected. Um, yeah. And I think if, you're, if your business model is one that allow, you know, allows you to be agile and allows you to pivot when these opportunities present themselves, then that's fantastic. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So we want to remember that you can go to Claire Barry, C-L-A-R-E, dot com forward slash urban dash curiosity or what was the other one we had writer writers writers, writers, writers so yes yeah, so, so, retreat either one of those two and we'll have all of those links up on beamediadarling.com um so tell us about your next big project and how you plan to entice prospects into it <laughs> well, um, so something that I'm working on over the summer is um, a membership community called Thrive, and this is going to um, launch in the in the autumn or in the fall, and it's going to be. Again, it's, you know, it's for the busy person. It's for men and women who want to find those moments of pause throughout their day. And maybe they need a little help through inspirational essays, whether it's through, a, a, you know, a webinar, interesting guest speakers sharing their expertise on wellness, on quirky, more specific topics like like the work that Rachel does, you know, paper making, handwriting. Um, it's also things like keeping an eye on on your your physical health. So you know, I'm I write these days. I can easily spend all day sitting down behind a computer screen. Um, I mean, you know, in fact, so can many people in many roles, whether they're they're working for themselves or whether they're working in in an office setting or elsewhere. And I think, yeah, these are some of the the topics that I'm working through at the moment, how to package them in a way that is really appealing to my prospect. And I'm really excited and feeling more confident about the the, the marketing um, options out there. So this is a digital product. Um, This is a membership community and it's going to stretch me to market my my product in a way that that is obviously very different to some of the marketing um that i've done to date so i'm really you know i'm learning as i go along i'm looking forward to hearing all your juicy tips um, (laughs) with your other guests on your podcast 
And, you know, I'm, I'm also looking at what other people are doing and what's working. So, you know, I've, I'm a big believer in deconstructing what's working for somebody else. A piece of advice that I got given years ago when I was writing creative, uh, when I was writing fiction was to take a favourite novel and deconstruct it. Look at the framework and look at the techniques and don't read it as a reader who's sucked into this fantastic story. Break it down into its component parts so that you can analyse how the author has managed to create this fantastically compelling story that sucked you in. And and so many times I sat down to do that with one or two of my favourite authors and just kind of you know got stuck two chapters in because, of course, they were such good storytellers that they just sucked me into the story and I stopped seeing the, the architecture and the framework. So, you know, that's something that I've done which has helped me with figuring out sales copy. You know, I've looked at what other people have done that's enticed me to buy something from them online. You know, what compelled me to buy that course? What compelled me, you know, to sign up to Andrea and Juna's fantastic retreat in Bali? Deconstruct their sales page and I can see how it appealed to me. I can see that they were clearly telling me what they were going to offer me. So I suppose those are, the, um, that I'm taking that same model of deconstructing. Um, I'm, I'm looking at what other people are doing with their launches at the moment online and figuring out a plan, you know, with two or three months lead time as to how, how I launch that community um, to my audience come the fall. So I will hopefully come back and speak to you nearer to the time and um, let you know how I've been getting on. I would love it. And I think that um, that's something that I do too regularly. I know that a lot of people don't, that doesn't necessarily come naturally. But when I'm I'm writing a YA novel and I don't know anything about YA novels. Yeah. yeah. So I just started reading them like crazy and deconstructing them just like you did. But um, like you, I learned to write sales copy from people like Joe Vitale way in the beginning um, <laughs> because he made me want to buy every single thing even though I didn't need it. Exactly. And, so, and that's I'm like, where he was a master. I put my brakes on. I go, I do not need this, but why do I want it so yeah. bad? Right? And just yeah. started looking yeah. at that. and rever- I call it reverse engineering because it's the same way that I create sound bites is I listen to the way that people speak naturally mm. and all the great people on all the radio, TV, and print and then reverse engineer it. What did they do that other people can do too? And that's yes. what you're saying to do. And I think it's so valuable because, number one, you need to know what's out there in the marketplace. You do, you know, absolutely. That, and so it's your own homework. You can't, as, as much as you're creating, like you created this thing out of inspiration that was really beautiful, this urban curiosity, mm-hmm. but you also need to know what if there was 10 other people who were doing walks in London, you yeah. know? And, and there are lots of people doing versions of what I do. There, you know, there, but there's um, but yours is different. But, but they're not me. Yeah, and I think and that's not the thing. You. Yeah, they're they're not me. And I think it's taken me some time to reach this point where I've got the confidence to say there might be similarities, there might be overlap with our audience. But you know what? This is the differentiating factor is that this is me. And in part, this is also what's attracted me to some of the services and products that I've bought. It's the person behind it. It's it's part of their story. It's how they've conveyed their story. So I will be tapping into all of those things as I develop this marketing strategy um, for my new community um, project. And I think... Um, I am toying with the idea of doing some vlogging, which I'm slightly trepidatious about, (laughs) not... Yeah. Not because um, of the recording part. I've kind of overcome that anxiety because I've been doing some recording for some other um, other things. Um, what I'm anxious about is 
the actual technology. I'm, I'm a tech dolt. I'm not very clever when it comes to the, the fancy stuff that makes these things work. And I know I will get there, but sometimes I find it quite difficult to get my head around how to make some stuff work. And I'm looking at vlogging thinking, oh gosh, you know, that's, I got to figure out how to edit and upload and this and that and the other. And is this not potentially just another big time suck? However, I really love when my favorite people online post stuff live you know it's maybe it's not live but you know I get to see them I see how their face is animated when they're excited telling me about the the service or the product that they want to sell me or the information that they want to share with me that's going to help me learn and help me grow my business so yeah I'm, I'm toying with the idea of doing some kind of vlogging because I think there is there's something quite powerful about it that helps you connect with your prospect quicker and more easily than maybe through the written word or through audio it's yeah. just another complementary you know mode to I explore. think that's true and and to not get caught up on the in the technical aspect because yes. you can hire people to do that but you yeah. again the most important thing is you and you yes. being your, yourself and and by the way you know you you are the one who created this this fabulous walk and created the idea of, of, of making that tiny book for people which is so appealing and so much about you, right? That's yes. part of your personality that's coming through and everything that you do and what you leave people with. Not only you're leaving them with your great spirit, but you're leaving them with a book that they're not going to forget, you know, which is tactile and beautiful and now has things in it that they've written that are important to them. And they'll associate that with you. That's my plan. Thank you, Susan. <laughs> that's really great. Good to hear that. Thank you so much for joining us, um, Claire Berry at claireberry.com. And you can find all the links and everything that we're talking about at beamediadarling.com. And it's been such a pleasure. I know Claire and I talked about in the beginning how we both, you can probably hear my little nasal thing and coughing <laughs> and, and my nose is running like a faucet. Oh. Claire didn't feel that good either. And here we are, you know, doing this um, anyway with as much spirit as we can bring to it. And I think that that's, you know, and I was telling Claire ahead of time that that often happens in a media interview, like suddenly the day of your media interview, a big important media interview, whether it's Today Show or Good Morning America or Oprah, whatever it is, you know, something horrible happens. Sometimes it's something minor, your kid is sick at school, but sometimes it's something major. Like one woman told me that her father was dying, you know, so... Yeah, so the and and sometimes so it can be as little as a cold or as big as a death, impending death. And yet mm -hmm. we still have to come what we were talking about so much today is bringing that kind of mindfulness to the moment for wherever yes. you are. So despite any the way that you feel or you know even if you're not 100%. Because how often are we really 100%? Well, exactly. And also, you know, the funny thing is we've been talking about the stuff that really gets me excited. I love talking about this stuff. So, you know, an hour ago, I didn't feel too hot. Right now, I'm feeling, you know, fantastic. And that's the thing, isn't it? Telling yes. your story and spreading the word um, is, is exciting because you're passionate. I am passionate about what I'm doing. And I want to tell more people about it because then I can help more people. And, um, yeah, it's about... about bringing that enthusiasm in the moment, as you say, whether you're feeling tip-top before you start recording or not. Well, thank you so much, Claire. It's been such a joy to talk with you. It's so. been fun. Thank you for having me, Susan. Thank you. 
Hop on over to BeAMediaDarling.com for any of the resources that we mentioned in this episode and also for free goodies. You'll also find over there some surprises because I would love to be able to delight you. Thanks so much for listening to the Be A Media Darling podcast with me, Susan Harrow. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. And remember, speak your mind, stand your ground, sing your song. I look forward to meeting you.